This is the Sunday, typically called Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters Jerusalem, not riding on a war horse, but riding on a peace donkey. And he's greeted with shouts of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and everyone's so thrilled and so excited. And they believe this is the time the Messiah will finally come, right the wrongs, kick the bums out and restore Israel back to the glory of when Solomon was king and political independence and prosperity was ours. It's the Sunday when everyone's so excited because Jesus is finally going to raise the sword and fight on behalf of us for our interests and crush our enemies and do things that we've been wanting God to do for so long And every year when Palm Sunday comes around, we get to face head on just how quick the same crowd that cries, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, by the end of the next week is shouting, crucify him. When we discover that he didn't come to lift up a sword and kill our enemies, when we discover that he's not the one who underwrites our agenda, that he doesn't have our feelings of safety and security and our resentments and our hopes in his heart, that he has his own plan, that he has his own kingdom he's, he's bringing. And most of us are still learning this thing of who God is for us. And I, I keep thinking that the word that Tammy gave is the same word Eric Reeder gave and the same thing I've been praying and the same thing that's on my heart to talk about. If you could see the gates of Jerusalem being wide open, so to speak, for Jesus, when we think he comes to underwrite our agenda, but then they slam shut when we realize he's got his own kingdom he's bringing, that he comes to save Hitler, and we're Jewish. That he comes to save warlords, that have oppressed the groups we send missionaries to start orphanages among them. That he comes... He comes to save the registered sex offenders. He comes to save the the villains. And yes, he comes for the poor, but he also comes for the tax collector. When we find out Jesus doesn't come... To get our will be, our, to, to, to agree with our prayer, may my will be done. But he comes to love all the way the very people we don't love with the same kind of love that he loves us with. It's scandalous that he won't underwrite our vision, isn't it? And so quickly we say, release Barabbas to us, at least he'll fight for our cause. He wasn't a thief, he wasn't a bandit. Barabbas was a political rebel. At least he'll fight for us. Jesus apparently isn't going to fight for us. He's just going to let him kill him. And then he's going to turn to us and say, take up your cross and follow me. And so I'm, I'm taken afresh with this. The whole Christian life is becoming love. And the cross is the revelation of love. 
I've gone over this so many times, what the cross isn't, what the cross is. The cross is the scandalous, costly love of God. This is, this is what happens when love comes down. We kill it, we murder it. And in the way that God on the cross is revealed is the thing necessary for us to see that he means this, that this is not words. Humanity is so hostile that we all carry a sword in our heart toward anyone who might be a threat to us. We spend our days trying to discern who's trustworthy and who's not. And we say when people betray us, I should have known better, I should have seen the signs. How, what a fool I am, say a lot of the wonderful blues songs that I like so much. And we, we, we're ashamed that we were too dumb to realize that that was a bad apple and we shouldn't have trusted that person. Which proves that we're not on the planet to become love, but to figure out who loves us and who's safe. We carry a sword. And Jesus walks into the sword, and that's the cross. He walks into the sword, lets it pierce his heart in his I love you. He can't say a louder I love you. And he, he rises from the dead to restore the disciples who abandon him in his hour of need, not to open up a can and bring correction and discipline. Peter, do you love me? How many denials? How many times does this question come to Peter? You're saying it's Palm Sunday. Don't skip ahead. We, 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 wait, wait till after Easter to preach that. He had, he, sin never changed him. He never missed the appointment in the garden. Who told you you were naked? Where are you? Did you eat the fruit? He never missed the appointment. And we often, so often think, we so often think that this gospel is a way of repentance for us to somehow humble ourselves enough that God might stop being angry at us. We've got to bow lower and lower and lower and cower and lower and maybe sometime find ourselves worthy enough for grace to come get us. When repentance just means change your mind. Stop thinking what you're thinking and believe the truth instead. And if you see the truth, you might be gripped with a sense of godly sorrow, but not because of how bad you are and how holy he is, but how loving he is. There's something... Listen, law will spur us up into defensiveness. Have you ever noticed this? That when someone approaches you in your sin and they're mad that you're inconveniencing them, they're mad that you hurt them, self-interest is driving They're mad that you put the church's name on the line and gave us a bad reputation in the community. It just creates defensiveness in the heart of the one who's attempting to be restored. Let's put quotes around that. Law will spurn, law will bring out your swords. I know I'm in sin, but don't hurt me worse. But love will break men down. 
Love will break people down, bring us to our knees, and have us saying, I need change, help me. This whole, this whole gospel is the revealing, is the unveiling of the love of the Father. It's the goodness of the Father that brings people to repentance. It's the kindness of God that transforms our hearts. We fall out of love with the sins that captured our heart because we thought, God's a moral straitjacket, there's nothing here for me, but I don't want to go to hell, so I'll be good. I like to say it this way, I don't want to deal with the government, so I pay taxes so I don't have to. I don't want to deal with God, so I go to church and pray, so I don't have to. But when we see who he is, we realize he's what we've been yearning for our whole lives. We've been longing for him our whole lives. And if we don't actually seek till we find and find satisfaction in him and wholeness in him, then we will go to church and go through the motions and be empty on the inside. And that will go somewhere. Our hearts abhor a vacuum. Our hearts are little desire factories, and if we won't find the presence, if we won't find relationship with Abba, if we won't find him in the secret place and drink deeply of it until we're satisfied to overflowing, we're going to find something. Even if we stay at church, we're going to find something else to be satisfied in. There's monotheism of the doctrine, and then there's monotheism of the heart. Monotheism of doctrine says, I only believe there's one God. But monotheism of the heart says, I only have one person I'm seeking satisfaction from. It's God. There's only one I'm delighting in. It's the Father. There's only one for me. It's that Father. It's that Son. It's that Holy Spirit. Everything is you. I burn for you. I yearn for you. Don't let me waste my life on lesser things. Encounter me. I know there's more. There must be more. The fire on the altar must be kept burning day and night. Let me redig ancient wells. Let me uncover ancient paths. It's not enough. I hunger and thirst for you like the deer pant for the streams. And if we're that hungry, and if we're that real, and truth wins on the inmost place. And you care less and less what's going on on the outward. Jesus is so interesting when he says, why do you clean the outside of the cup and dish? Why are you so concerned with keeping up appearances? Why do you wash your car so much and then mutter in your heart against the people around you? Why do you worry about the outside of the cup and dish? It's a hallmark of Phariseeism, isn't it? Rooted in the wrong tree. Obsessed with what people think. Oh, what will they say when they see this? Who cares? The little people, the li- the little people next to you, does it matter what they think about you? If they like you, will you find life? Will your spirit come alive? I heard Jim, who is it? Somebody help me out here. All righty then, Jim Carey. 
thanks for the answer. You guys were just really on that for me. I heard Jim Carrey said, I hope that all your dreams will come true and you'll get so rich and famous and everyone will love you so you'll realize how empty it is. How will we learn to love is the question. And the answer is we have to be loved. We have to find a source of love that, where we have enough to drink to where it's not just a little to keep us going, making it but it's overflowing and now we have love for others. John says you love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. So apparently the whole Christian life is just being reconnected to the source because Jesus did all this to remove every obstacle out of the way to reconnect us back into Abba's love so that we can be back in Genesis 2 so that we can walk with God in the cool of the day. He can speak, he can breathe, he can tell us who we are. Matthew 11, Jesus says, no one knows the Son except the Father. That's how Jesus believed. No one knows me but my father. So he wasn't looking for people who don't know who he is to tell him who he is. No one knows Menno but Abba. No one has the right to tell Menno who he is except Abba. Menno's getting this. He's been getting this. And it's been bringing him life. And God's allowed that to be attacked. Over and over. Not because God's like, men, I better get this. I'm going I'm to let him go through hard trials because I don't believe in him. No, because what he, God, God believes so much in what he put in Menno that he's putting it on display and letting things come against it to prove that what God put in him is real. Amen. Richard Jenner, like, but then you shouldn't drop the water bottle if you're going <laughs> to use it as the metaphor. The trials don't come because God's mad. The trials come because he so believes in what he put in us and he needs a people on the planet that the life that he put in us can be put on display as a burning bush that burns and isn't consumed, as like Elijah's sacrifice that he asked them to put water on it more again, do it again, do it a third time, do it a fourth time so that when the fire falls on the wood that's been soaked in the water and it continues to burn, everyone will know this is not possible. This is not humanly generated. This is God. Only God can generate this. Listen, he sends us into the world to love as he loves. And it is only... Look, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even pagans do that. Christianity is not gathering a group of people around you who like what you like, who look cool, who's, you know, if you post statuses that you're out to eat, you know, oh, yeah, I belong, I'm cool, I'm somebody. Christianity is, is you having people, you, you being seen with people and loving people who will drag your reputation down. John the Baptist came not eating and drinking and they said, he's insane, he has a demon. Jesus came eating and drinking with drunkards and gluttons. And they said, oh, well, he's a glutton and a drunkard. And all it proves is that unsatisfiable people will remain unsatisfiable no matter what. And that is the context in which Jesus has the statement. Only the Father knows the Son. 
in the midst of a generation that is unsatisfied and unsatisfiable and all that will speak to them is flattery. The only way Jesus can get the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to stay and to not switch, to crucify him, is to flatter us. And he won't. And when you become love, neither will you. You'll become so much love that you will love those who don't love you back. You will love those and religion will get mad at you for loving them. The person you love will get mad at you and call it not love because someone who's addicted will do anything to stay connected to their false god. People's sickness fights for the right to stay alive. They will scratch and claw you the way we... They will scratch and... This is why Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Because if you love like I love, you will be persecuted and misunderstood and rejected and hated as evil like I have been. Your love will be rewarded with bitterness and blame and cursing. And if you don't know who you are, you won't last And if you are not rooted and grounded in love, then when your love meets the woundedness of those around you, if you're not rooted and grounded in love, it will topple you. You won't last. You won't make it. Eric Reeder was so clear with us, especially in his prayer at the very end, that we are called gateway. This is from Psalm 24. Open up, you gates. Open wide, you heavenly doors, that the king of glory might come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Open up, you gates. Open wide, you ancient doors, that the king of glory might come in. There's a wide openness that draws the presence of Jesus. And he was talking, Eric was talking about We've been through stuff. We've had our hearts hurt. It was interesting. It wasn't about Holy Spirit power or something like that. It was about relationship stuff. We've been hurt. So can we trust again? Can we say yes to Jesus again? It seems like the more we say yes to Jesus, the more hurt comes our way. So what should we do? Will we stay in this natural human position of always having a sword in the Spirit, trying to discern who's safe, who's reliable, who's trustworthy? No, you open wide your hearts. You become love. You love like he loves. And if you do this, you will still be misunderstood. You will still be hated. You will still be persecuted. But you'll become love and you'll be free. Yes. Amen. Every day, this is my prayer. Make me love. Make me love. Make me love. Father, make me love. Let me love like you love. Let me see through your eye. Because when we're rooted and grounded in love, see, and there's so many things I want to go after. Like, I want to go after healing the sick. I want to I go after, like, being, having such a strong prophetic gift that I can walk up to people and know their phone numbers, their social security numbers, their children's names. And I want you to go beyond me. I want you to go further than me. God's already doing it. Last weekend at Shiloh Mennonite Church. I don't know why the Lord's called me. So weird. Why? Why Mennonites, Father? I'm not like them, Father. 
I know, that's why they need you. That's why you need them. At Shiloh, Brian Hibbs and I, we poured everything out we had and then the beginning of the week, the pastor, Preston, called me and he says, I can't stop crying every day since you first came. We, I just can't stop crying. I'm hearing God's voice clearer than I've ever heard before. I took a walk with the Lord and he was like, go back and ask your wife what's going on with her interior decorating dreams for the house. So I sat down and commented, said, hey, why did you choose this? This is cool. Why did you choose this? This is nice. Why did you choose that? And she started to cry and she said, I want everyone in this house to feel a sense of peace. I want people to come in and experience the Lord's peace. He said, then we went out to the restaurant and I had this sense that the waitress has a little girl, a little baby, and she's sick and the waitress was worried about her, but I didn't know what to do and I was freaking out, so we were talking and she'd come and fill our drinks, take her order, and then she'd leave and we were talking and he said, Preston said, finally, I figured out the only way I'm going to know if I'm really hearing the Lord correctly is by asking do you have any children? Yeah, I have an older daughter and I have a younger daughter, but the three-month-old's really been sick and I've really been worried about her. Well, we'll pray for you, he says. And I restrained my voice. I mean, I just, I just said, you get an A+. You get an A. Because you know me, I'm like, I want a coach. I want to say, now, if you'd been willing to look like a fool, she would have got a bigger blessing because she would have been like, what? When you just nailed it, named it right away got to take those risks because you're worth it who cares what I feel like I care about loving you I want to become love I didn't say it you know why because he already has a teacher his father himself will teach him whatever he needs to know so I just I just sat in the place of encouragement look if you tried and failed you get an A plus just like the other day at the restaurant when I was praying and I heard Candace or candy so I said to the gentleman is there a Candace or a candy he goes, nope. I'm like, How? what are the chances that there's no one in this man's life named Candace or Candy? Wow, that's like, swing and a miss, you know? I said, well, can I still pray for you? He says, sure. So I prayed and he felt loved, so we win. Then I walked in and I said to the lady at the front desk, is there a Candace or a Candy that works here? Nope, maybe in one of the other branches. And I'm like, I'm sw- I get an A plus, you guys. I'm willing to look like a fool to learn how to love like Jesus loved. I don't understand a lack of hunger. I don't understand hearing a testimony that somebody moves in something like that and you don't burn for it immediately upon hearing it and come out of here and try it. Like, I don't understand a lack of hunger. If I read it in the book, it's mine. Why am I not seeing it? I don't know. But it's my whole job for the rest of my life to figure out how much of heaven can I bring down onto earth through my participation in Holy Spirit. I don't burn for anything else. I don't want anything else. Preston already heard clearer than me after the first day where I said, let's do this thing. I told Brian, I was like, we're not going to teach on the voice of God. But they're going to come away with a hunger for the voice of God just by having been with us. I, I typed out prayers for the weekend. Every single one of them took place. Every single one of them happened. He's called Gateway to be a church that sends teams of you guys to other places to take the good things you're learning in your secret place, obedience with Jesus. He's called Gateway to be a sending church. Like, I don't know what you burn for, but you have to burn for it because you're a part of the body of Christ we absolutely need. You are essential. You don't have to burn for what I burn for. Like, I don't care if it's the prophetic, 
But you have a unique DNA that Holy Spirit will release in you when you get reconnected to Abba. And if you don't burn for it, we don't get what we're supposed to get out of you. But I see this. This is what's about to happen. The Lord wants to give us a platform that it's not Pastor Tim going to other churches on weekends and being gone, taking, taking this stuff to the ends of the earth. It's Pastor Tim and it's you guys. Whole teams from Gateway to train and equip the saints for the works of ministry. But the Lord's so clear with us, we have to be faithful at home. Integrity in the secret place when no one is watching. We absolutely have to learn how to be faithful at home. When no one is watching. One day I I came up here to the altar and I was praying about some stuff. And the Lord said to me, if you'll burn, and I should say this, there was a, he underlined the word and he highlighted it and he circled it. And the way he did that was, there was a swirl, like a tornado of Holy Spirit power, starting on the ground and rising upward in a spinning circle. It was freaky and glorious and wonderful. I, I feel like it's extremely important that we learn to talk about the mystical experiences we have with the Lord. It's not healthy to keep experience in a box called, we don't want to talk about that. That's not appropriate. That's not healthy. So the Lord, through that experience, I was up there seeking him about something. And, he, and this is what he said in the swirl. The swirl. So I'm, I'm making up words, I guess. In the swirl, he said, if you'll be faithful at home, I'll anoint you in public. If you'll learn to wash dishes and change diapers and listen sensitively to your wife, if you'll learn to clean house and vacuum more, and I'm already doing a lot of those things, but not at the level that my wife needs me to to feel properly partnered. If you'll, learn, if, you'll have, if you'll do this at home, I'll anoint you in public. You'll walk past people and they'll fall out. Well, maybe I need to over-explain, okay. You'll walk past people and you'll be carrying such a heavy measure of the presence of God that they will be unable to stand. They will fall down in the department store. Like the one day when we were praying for... Um, Austin and Megan goes out in a little Holy Spirit coma. That was beautiful. I love that kind of stuff. Thanks, God. That's nice. Are you hungry? Do you burn for this? No, not food. How hungry are you? Are you willing to look like a fool? Are you willing to take risks? How willing to be transparent are you? How willing are you to let the people around you see your brokenness? There's a man in Luke chapter 6, and he has a withered hand. And Jesus says to him, and he's got it in his shirt is how I picture it. And Jesus says to him, Come stand in front of everyone. Come stand in front of everyone. Come stand in front of everyone. The man hobbles up, stands in front of everyone. And Jesus perceives in the spirit the hostility in the room. He perceives in the spirit the unbelief in the room. He perceives in the spirit the critical attitudes in the room. 
that not everyone wants what he wants, that not everyone's lined up with kingdom, that there are those who are only there to nitpick and fault find. They came in with their bitterness and they're going out with their bitterness. They're blinded by what they fail to see. They show up and Holy Spirit moves and not a drop gets on their thirsty heart. He knows this. He perceives this in the room. Like I perceive it right now. And he says, stand in front of everyone. Which is better? He confronts their critical heart right head on. Critical spirit, head on. Fault finding, head on. Offense on behalf of others, head on. Which is better on the Sabbath? To heal or to destroy? Turns to the man, stretch forth your hand. Now here's my question. He has him stand in front of everyone. Why? He says, stretch forth your hand in front of everyone. Why? Let me ask this question. If the man doesn't do it, do you think he's healed? I don't think so. How hungry are you? We're either going to start looking worse on our way to getting better or we're going to keep looking better. Better and better and better on our way to being worse and worse. Twice the son of hell as the hypocritical pastors who discipled us into this life of fakeness. All right, that's enough for today. Go ahead and stand. I want to pray for some people. And I don't know who you are yet. Because you haven't come forward yet. So I'm going to pray a general prayer. And while I'm praying, if that's you, you know, come forward. Holy Spirit, we just want to become love. We want to say our yes to you. We want to be so rooted in your love that we care more about loving people than being loved by people. That we care more, Father, about being transformed into the image of love than how we're spoken about. That we care more, Father, about the real thing going on between you and us than what it's going to cost us to say yes to you. God, if we're faithful at home, I believe you'll anoint us in public. If we're faithful at home where it's hardest, I believe you'll anoint us in public. God, you know my heart. I'm committed. I'm committed to being real. I'm committed to being unattractively, embarrassingly honest with Gateway. And God, I thank you that that's going to protect them from so much. They might be like, oh, I wish Tim had a filter. But guess what? Tim's going to have a strong marriage. Tim's going to have integrity in the secret place. And Tim's going to be saved from having these people view me as their Messiah when it's you who are their Messiah. Thank you, God that I get to decrease and you get to increase. 
that I get them to partner with me in my brokenness and I get the strength that they add to my brokenness. Thank you, God. To hell with religion and to heaven with everyone on the planet. We love you, Father. We love you. We love you, Father. God's people said, amen. Amen. If you're up here, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand right here. Just come single file and I'll stop when when there's no one left.